Hey y'all, it's your girl at Joy Leah, and welcome to Backstage with Joy Leah. Today on this segment, I am going to be talking to Mr. Ali Alaflair. Y'all sit back and enjoy this podcast. Hey, y'all, again, welcome to Backstage with Joy Leah podcast. Again, I am going to be talking to Mr. Producer, the man, Ali Lafleur. We're going to get into everything that he got going on, his movement, his music career. And y'all, just sit back and enjoy this podcast. So, Ali Lafleur, <laughs> my man, I see you. How are you? How's everything going? How you doing? I can't complain. That's Very good. Blessed. That's good. I see. I see. I've been watching you. I've been watching you. So, Ali LaFleur, tell us about Mr. Ali LaFleur. Like, I, I knew somebody a little bit different. So, tell me a little bit more about Ali LaFleur. Flair is um, very much so just an artistic creative. How should I say? More so of like, a, you know, a little bit of a renaissance thing. Very much, I'm a writer, producer, artist. Um, have spent um, a good amount of time in my industry behind the scenes. And um, just trying to make sure I had a solid ground under my feet for really pushing forward in this thing that we call, you know, this industry. Because this shit is crazy. So you got to make sure that you want to be an artist before you really step into it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. You're a writer. You're a producer. And I know you got, you know, credibility and, you know, cred. Tell us a little bit about some of the artists that you have worked with. Um, Bringing Richards, DJ Mustard, um, YG, Jamie Foxx. Um, the game, Miss Castle, um, Ray J, uh, Detail, um, Detail's a producer from Young Money there, bro, um, out of love. Um, so a lot, a lot of people. I've been very, very fortunate to have a, um, sustainable career. Yes. My life's work, which is also my love, you know, my career. Right. So, like, how long have you, um, you know, been in the music industry? Like, how long have you known you had this gift of, you know, writing and producing, I would say? I mean, like I said, I've always been in entertainment. Um, so, from very, very, my mother had me in acting. And I was doing that 
commercial, I think, when I was like seven years old. So um, I didn't really know anything else but entertainment. Matter of fact, when I went to college, um, graduated from Clark Atlanta University. CAU. <laughs> but when I got to school, I was scared shitless because I had never done like regular school work. It was always geared towards entertainment. So even in high school, it's like I was. I went to Alexander Hamilton Music Academy, um, and a lot of people went to this same school, Omar Granberry, Omaria, um, a lot of members of B2K, um, Tyler Pratt, um, a lot of fucking people, Ryan Donaldson, all went to school Okay. So, um, schedule of, well, we had seven classes, but out of the seven classes, five of them was geared towards entertainment. When I got to college, I was not ready for, like, regular school work. That's like, good. But, um, shit wasn't like that. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I think that I've always been immersed in entertainment. Um, My godfather wrote, was the main producer that wrote, produced everything for Cooler Gang, um, named Khalis Bayan. Um, so... I've always had a very, very special relationship with entertainment, and I was in the studio before I even knew what was going on. So I kind of grew up in the studio and on tour, and that was kind of regular life for me. Okay. So, wow, I did not know, um, you know, all that at the, you know, at the beginning of your life. So transitioning to CAU, let's get into that. How Was it a culture shock? What was it? Because I know you was like, I ain't never seen this many black people before in my life. I never saw that many black people that was in my age group and demographic trying to do something positive on one accord. That was the difference. Um, I'm born and raised in L.A. So, you know, when you're from an inner city, be it L.A., New York, Chicago, Miami, it wasn't cool to be the smart kid. It was always cool to be like a class clown type shit. So it was like when I got to Atlanta, it was dope to meet this many beautiful women. You know what I'm saying? This, this many positive men on one accord really trying to ascend to something different. So that's what made it very, very different for me. Um, <laughs> honestly, I remember me and my friends, man, uh, we used to actually count the money. I remember we got to school in, in August and then it's like, damn, it's October. We ain't seen a white person yet. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a shock. Wow. It was, it was, honestly, Park ended up being the um, HBCU version of the high school that I went to. Um, not sure if like the world knows, but we had that same thing going on at Clark. Like uh, my freshman year, Mace, the bad boy, was at me in my speech class. Right. Uh, my friends from Jacket Edge went to school here. Yeah. Uh, Mama was in school. Don Cannon was in school. Yep. And it ended up being that same hub of entertainment and I'm one of the people that I'm very very thankful for that has really kind of helped extend an olive branch to me is um, a, name, a dude that we call Pone and Pone is responsible for Jagged Edge and uh, he was actually Shaka Zulu's business partner as well so um, Shaka that started DTP with yeah. Ludacris and so it's just yeah. been a, a olive branch with Brian Michael Cox it's been a bevy of people that I've been able to reach out to as an alumnus um, from this illustrious university that um, we attended. 
Right, right. And what's so crazy now is all the people that when we went to school, all the wonderful things that they're doing right now and all the music they've created. I mean, I remember when you said Don Cannon, I saw him in the airport not too long ago. And I was like, Roscoe! <laughs> he was cracking up because, you know, he was DJing in the calf, but he was the DJ in the calf. And now he's worldwide. So it's like, you know. That's my guy. And now he's the senior vice president for Atlantic Records. Right. It's one of the young dudes that helped, you know, bridge the. A lot of people don't notice he just helped bridge the gap, you know, between Warner and Maybach Music. And he got that label deal done. So. It's just a lot of things. It was a. It ended up being a very, very special place, and um, really a. As artists. Wow, that is so good to know how many connections you already had, and then the more connections that you made. It's like God had a plan for you, for real. Plan for me. I didn't even want to go to college. I did not. I was like, yeah, it's gonna ruin my career, my like at the time. Um, I was 18, I just got a writing deal with Virgin Records, so um, I was focused. I was honed in, and I had to, um, my whole family attended HBCUs. This University in Nashville, Tennessee, um, Howard, Global Force, um, but we're not. But at the Clark, I was like, man, if I go to HBCU, I got to go to the one I've seen on TV. Right, I'm going to the A. <laughs> On school days in a different world and drum line and everything else. Yes. So. I agree with you on that. I was I said the same thing because being from Chicago, you know, I you know, nobody actually went to HBCU besides like my grandparents and, you know, great grandparents and stuff like that. Well not great, but uh, you know, they had to, I would say. But the next generation, they went to totally different schools. And I was like, I'm going to a HBCU, and I'm going to the one on TV. I'm going to Hillman College. I'm going down to Atlanta. So I feel you on that. So back to the music industry. You said, you know, you've been in it for so long. I mean, actually, it seemed like you've been in it all your life, just in entertainment, music, everything. Like, what obstacles do you feel that you have went through in your recent years, or, you know, even if you want to go back in the day that you, you know, had to overcome, I would say. Much obstacles that we all face, uh, especially in the entertainment subject, that no. And those things, you know so much that you just got to get comfortable with it and accept it. And it only takes the right yes. You only really need one yes to go along with all the no's and everything. It's just persistence. Um, sometimes you lose motivation. Sometimes, you know, but it's just finding that consistency. So it's like to find the consistency, you'll eventually gain that motivation. Whenever you lose that motivation, just stay consistent. That bring back the motivation. You know, just the ability to keep going. The thing about this is... Um, I remember when I got out of college, a lot of people just told me, oh, you got to get a regular job, get a regular job. And then when it works, they're like, oh, we all knew it. We knew it. We knew it. But, you know, have faith in yourself. 
You have to have some type of self-fortitude and belief in what you're doing and be ready for anything. Like I tell every young artist, are you sure you want to be an artist? Are you positive you really want to do this? Because your whole family will leave you over this, man. They'll turn on you. Your girl's going to leave you. But when it works, it's going to be love. <laughs> Not when so, it works. Anything in life without that type of drive, anything great in life without that type of drive, you can turn on yourself. Right, right. And, you know, you go into um, your, you know, Academy for Entertainment. I know you saw also a lot of your friends getting it and, you know, like getting on as well, especially while you was at Clark. And I know it probably motivated you even more as well. I saw that more at high school than I did at Clark initially because the high school I went to was um, geared towards, like I said, entertainment. It's the only school in Los Angeles where you can miss a lot of time. And um, your parents get arrested for it. So it's like, yeah, a lot of just did it normally. Um, so when I got to Clark, it was uh, more so the scheduling on your own and then no one ever really holding your hand. And I think that that's what made the largest difference for me is um, the understanding that you have to do you no matter what, no matter where you're at, find a way. Because it was very, very different for me not being in Los Angeles finding that, finding out what the industry is doing in Atlanta, me not being from Atlanta. I guess the only leg up I had, honestly, is that um, my godbrother, he was playing for the Falcons at the time, um, Jamal Anderson, the 30 bird. So I was blessed to have an in. Um, my god sister was also dating one of a very, very prolific, prolific producer named Calfani, um, who worked with Dungeon Family. So I was blessed enough to be his acts in a lot of sessions and meet Polo to Dawn. And then, so I was able to see who was really working and really have my own student life at the same time. And then I really found a coexistence and blend between it when I saw a couple people that I went to school with stepping into those rooms at different studios and we kind of had a special relationship. Like, oh, shit. Y'all go. Right. You know, it ended up being I couldn't be happier with my children. That's good. That's that's wonderful. So, okay, you've worked with all these different, um, you know, producers and writers and entertainers. Who was the best one that you worked with, I would say? Oh, hands down, top 10, not 10. The most talented person that I've ever worked with is my best friend, Todd Allison. I, I, I like Ty Dolla Sign. I, I like him a lot. Is he our age? So he's our age? Man. Um, and when you ask, like, how did it, like, yes, this is, but that's my brother. And um, he always made sure to, he's pulled stuff out of me that I didn't know. Um, always found a way to just make, when I lost my drive, he was the motivation. Or, like, when it was just, it was different things. And I felt like it was too hard. Like, nah, bro, you just tripping. Like, I said, okay, cool. But you got to have somebody like that standing shoulder to shoulder with you in the trenches. Um, because there's times when, you know, everybody loses that motivation. Everybody feels like, you know, you're falling off and something's going on. But he, he kept me, like, focused in tunnel vision. And look at where we at. I see. I see. You know, he, he came out 
around like, well, the world noticed him around like 2016, I would say, 2015. And, but it, but he's been, it seems like he's been in the game longer than that. Like. I mean, like, I would say the notice really happened in um, 2008 when we did Tutored and Booted for YG. Okay. Everything off. And, um, you know, shout out to our homie Big B, God rest in peace. Um, the big homie was like, man, I'm working with this young kid. You know what I'm saying? He hard, but and it was just a real different time when we were going through a label situation to switch. Um, I just came out of a writing deal. He had just came out of a different artist deal. So it was a um, it was a time period where we were looking to kind of regain that mojo, just find who we had for that. What was next? And um, it ended up being. YG and Mustard that really helped with that forty. So um yeah, we ended up doing Tutor the Booted. That was around two thousand eight and shit went crazy. Went crazy after that. Shit been going crazy ever since then in the streets. Uh, we started getting a little bit noticed. He, he was getting a lot more notoriety as like an artist. Um I was getting a lot more notoriety as a writer and stuff, so um and everybody's like, oh, bro's an artist too, so you got to check him out. And I'm just like, look, man, we'll get to that when I get to that. I'm not worried about it. It's got this money. Right. Money. Like, let's go. So, wow. um, um, it's worked so far. So I'm going to stick to my guns and keep doing it. <laughs> wow, that's great, man. I mean, just hearing it, you know, you know, it. People think this just happens overnight. You know what I'm saying? And it it seemed like it was like years and years of preparation, years and years of networking. And then, you know, then it went like a rocket. But it seemed like it was, you know, a lot that you had to, you know, overcome and just go through just in general, learn about yourself and, you know, be more independent you know, Clark taught you that, it seems like, with entrepreneurship and everything like that, so you can do your own thing. And then now, you know, you, you put a lot of, you know, time and investment, it seemed like, in your career, not just, oh, I just had some, you know, a beat and I just got on, like, which most people think happens. <laughs> you like, yep. <laughs> like, absolutely. Had that motivation standing. Um, I know a lot of people don't know, but Rose that was in a group called Lakeside, um, and you probably don't know about that. But Coolio was the dude that said, "Come along and ride on." Yeah, I remember them. His pops was in that group, so um, that was even how me and him like really, really clicked because his his father knew my godfather, so it was just kind of like, oh okay. We can't wow. Be the same a little different. Wow. Our motivation has always been a little bit stronger. And um, anytime we wanted to quit, we couldn't. Right. Pull the yeah. And you and you saw it work. You know what I'm saying? You saw other people doing it, and that gave y'all even more motivation. Look at you guys now. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy, you know, but it's like if you believe it and you put the work in it, it can happen. It can really, really much happen. So, you know, working with different artists. You know, it's, you've been in the game for a while. You've worked with artists, you know, years ago and now. What are the differences, I would say, that you see in, from an artist, you know, 
20 years ago than an artist now because, you know, you remember 20 years ago. So. <laughs> I was like the level of pressure. Like being able to jump on anything and really do your shit. No matter if it's a techno track, if it's a pop, if being able to write anything before anybody, being able to place yourself outside of your own mind frame and really put yourself in the scope of whatever artist that you're working with or whatever project that you're building with at the time. It's your own or working with something else. Um, and, and whether you feel good, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with that person or get along with them or not, like being able to have that permanent separation is that level. And I think that that's, that's what's a little bit different now. Yeah. You know, feel like they're producers. But now, you know, we just got a lot of bunch of young programmers. But not to hate on that, because what I, what I really love is that the internet made everything so different. So I think that now we have a lot more of an entrepreneurial spirit in the industry. For all of us. Right. Acting is very, very much so um, entrepreneurial-based. And it gives the people the power, you know. And honestly... I think the first person that really, really showed that you could do it like that, I hate to say it, shout out a soldier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And him proving, like, yo, I can do this shit by myself. I'll make my own track. I'll put my own shit out. I'll do it. Like, we didn't really think that that was a possible real platform. You know? Yes, he did. It was just like, all right, if this young kid in the A can boom up on his own shit, then. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. <laughs> he was like 14. There's no excuse. Like, there's no excuse whatsoever. But you're right about that. So, like, you know, just to stay on, you know, this music thing and to ask you more questions about that, since you are in the industry and you see it, you know, hand in hand, I would say, like, do you like the direction where the music is going? I mean, you know, it, it's going, it, it's going gang, gang, but... Like, in your opinion, so exactly where music is going, in your opinion, what do you think? Um, I really like it, honestly. I feel like, you know, we're just now getting outside of our little bubble um, and really opening our eyes to a different bevy of world music, which is really, really great. You know, I mean, especially being, like, in America, we have this tunnel vision of what we have going on. We're not focused on anything else. Right. So, um, um, Victoria Kamani, um, Davio, like this whole, the whole Afro beat get down has really, really opened up the world. And, um, now that's true. Yes. And I think that now you see everybody embracing it. And it's something that we all come from. So it's like, it's, it's natural that we gravitate towards it, but it's also very cocky that we didn't want nothing to do with it until just recently or, you know, mm -hmm. so, but, like, if it's not us, then, you know, we ain't about it, but I'm, I'm really, really loving the, um, transition and pivot that, like, in the direction that we're going in. Wow, that is, that is so true, you know, when you think about it, you know, a lot of people just think one note of music, rap, you know, that was, it for so many years it seemed like we lost R and B, but this this African 
that is bringing it back in a different way. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's it's very it's 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 crazy. I ain't even gonna front because you go to an African club, it's crazy in there. <laughs> it is crazy in there. So let me ask you this. And you know, I ain't gonna take up too much of your time. I always like to tell people that even though I do. <laughs> um, you know, how the streets are after COVID, you know, and with the game being on lockdown, I would say, for, you know, two years, how has it been, you know, getting back outside and getting back in the industry right now? I mean, has it been like a hurdle? You know, everybody, it seemed like everything has just changed. And I know music has changed, too, in, you know, so many ways. So, like, getting back outside as a producer, I mean, is it is it challenges? Like, what are, you, what are some things that you think you have to deal with? Well, I would say that um, right before the pandemic hit, it wasn't even me so more so as a producer. I think it affects, it affected all, every artist more so than a producer. Um, and as an artist, it hit. It hit different, but it also was just, like, a beautiful time, honestly. I looked at the pandemic as a blessing. It enabled everybody to sit down and refocus and gain a different type of um, what you're doing versus what you're not doing. Mm. Um, give, give yourself some direction on what's working, what's not working. Um, as far as touring goes, that hurt. But that was mainly like the... Right. Um, it's touring. But other than that, oh man, it was the pandemic. It was beautiful. <laughs> the pandemic. <laughs> inside, really create and just get like, really get your shit cracking. Um, it did force me into a corner to start recreating on um, music production. So I started working with a robotics company called Digital Dream Labs. Um, so I was doing sounds for robots. I was doing commercials for, um, the Fast and Furious. Like I was doing voiceovers. So it's like, all right, get in your bag, stay there and just keep it going. And like, it really became, how can you diversify your portfolio mm. and, and find a way to be different. So, I mean, like, Hey, what can I say? You, it, it was bad for a lot of people if they didn't find or make a way to like, be a better person. Wow. Yeah, what you just said, you know, it's so positive because people could look at the pandemic and look at what they went through and, you know, they can give an excuse. But you gave, you know, a really good analogy and a good, you know, you know, I wouldn't even say excuse, but you gave some real shit right there, letting people know, like, look, I, I did this, I did this, I was still working. And, you know, th there's no excuse. And you find a way to make one, you know what I'm saying? Like the mo the model works. And anybody else is gonna stay on their peaks, and they're gonna keep your peaks. So proper preparation prevents poor performance. That is true as well. And you you are prepared. I can honestly say that Malik, just talking to you and interviewing you, you are very you know prepared, well knowledge. You got your shit down, you know, names. When they call you up on the stage for that Grammy, you know everybody you're going to thank because you, you, 
No, seriously, because you already got it. You don't, you don't need, you know who you worked with, who you haven't worked with, and you know who you want to work with. So that's another question before we end this. Who are some people that you want to work with? Because you've worked with so many. You know what I'm saying? Who are some people that's like your, you know, dream workers or whatever? I would say. Powerhouse, like my heroes, dude. Like I still have people that like I want to work with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Um, Me right. are just like super iconic, like crazy. Um, just to see their process, I want to work with Robert Glasper. I want to work with um, anybody that wants to work with me. Honestly, <laughs> I want to get in with like the old school, old school, like Titan when it was real analog equipment. Before everything digital came, it made it a little bit easier. Because people like to say that it's easy, but you still got to bring out that sound. You still got to, you know, find a way to make it resonate with people. And it's like our job as an artist, is, or my job as an artist, is to either provide relatability and escapability three minutes at a time. I just it's either to make a party or relate to what's going on. Um, so, you know, anybody that wants to work with Flair, man, let's get it. I heard that. I heard that. So, what is next for Ali LaFleur? What projects and what things do you have coming out next? Me and my little bro, Ray Riches, uh, one of the craziest rappers from Los Angeles. I would say, like, out of his generation, he's, like, one of the purest, like, type rappers. So, um, he's like West Coast fab to me. So, um, we got a project coming out. It's coming out actually on next Friday. It's called Rich the Flair. Um, Rich the Flair is a different wave. It's a different vibe. Um, we actually just put a single out, um, last week. It's called Slide. Um, grab that. Any of your platforms that you prefer. We love Apple Music over here, though. All Shout right. Don't <laughs> <laughs> shake <the> Spotify. Uh, <laughs> that we had put out um, like in May called All She Wanna Do and I guess it's a little different you know I would hate to say we bringing sexy back but we just doing sexy in a different way you know we don't we bringing hoochie daddy sexy type <laughs> shit to hoochie daddy sexy type shit to the game I heard that and y'all I will be having that link for you guys to listen to that on my website so make sure you guys Listen to that slide. He just put it in the DM. So I know that shit is banging and it's hot right now. So how do people get in contact with you if they want to, you know, I mean, that's another thing. Could anybody just reach out and be like, yo, I'm trying to work with you. Like, how does that go? And how do people get in contact with you? And how does that, you know, how does that go? (laughs) Crazy, but people always reach out through IG. And IG has been um, one of the dopest ways. To just really link up. Like, I've linked with so many people internationally just through IG. And um, but my manager is on there, so I have a link for my management. You know, email always works well. I don't really check it all the time because I'm bad at email. <laughs> he said, I'm an artist. I'm not a secretary. <laughs> for that. Realize being a business owner. Cannot do that either. So, you know. Yeah. But yeah, definitely through IG. Um, and my IG is AL1 LaFleur. Ali LaFleur. 
that's the man, y'all. That's the man of the hour. So, Mr. Ali LaFleur, I want to thank you so much for taking your time, you know, for being on my podcast and spitting this game for everybody, letting them know how you are, how to get in contact with you, because, you know, not that many people would do this. So I really, really appreciate, you know, all your hard work and everything that you put in the game. I wish I had some talent. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Right, wait. So, like, since I'm proud of you, the whole get down, man. Hey, yo, backstage with Joy Leah, man. Y'all need to jump in this back, man. Somebody, listen up. Yes, yes. Come get on this backstage with Joy Leah and hear this free game from a boy. Ali LaFleur, because he has all the connections, as I can see, especially when it comes to this music game. And production is on point, okay? If y'all like that Ty Dollar and all that YG music, this is West Coast. The new West Coast is what I call it, because that's just, you know, the, the type of flaw shark guy, even um, going off the tangent. But I even like, oh boy, on um, Love and Hip Hop, A1. Like, y'all all got that, like, you know, do you know him? Uh, LA is like everybody um tries to do something different. Everybody wants to be different, you know. And um and except for, you know, like one specific genre, you know, everybody's really trying to do something different. And um I can't even say that honestly, because like the newest shit like it's like the West Coast drill shit, you know, and that really shout out to Detroit. Most of that shit really came from the Midwest. It's really like Chicago, Detroit feel. But I really got to give it to the D, just because they've been doing it. That's been they sound for quite some time. Wow. Um, but it's still with that, like now, like Blue Bloods playing, and um, you know, rest in peace to um, Draco. Like it's still a lot of that sound and a big, big influence. This um, really rest. You know, I mean, it's always been a very, very special relationship between the West and the Midwest. Yes. You know what I'm yes. No, West Coast in general, y'all always had that a swag. But, yes, you are right. West Coast and uh, Midwest, we always messed with y'all. Even back in the day with Dr. Dre. You know, we, we stayed. It was nothing but a G thing over where we was at. So, we we damn sure did connect that way. But the West Coast always had a special place in a lot of people's heart. That The sound, the music, the swag, everything y'all got going innovative, always been different. You first look at it and be like, what is these niggas doing? And then next thing you know, the world is doing it. How do you feel like that about Kanye? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, we see it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I heard uh, that. It's been a beautiful thing, man. It's yeah. been a beautiful life so far, and I'm, I'm excited to see what's next. I'm excited to watch as well. And y'all, thank y'all again for listening to Backstage with Joy Leah. I just spent the last 30 minutes with the man, Mr. Ali LaFleur. I really appreciate you again for taking your time out. And we'll be right back, y'all, with Backstage with Joy Leah and my list.